0: Hello dear friends and welcome to the It is Well podcast. I am your host, Danny Hardy, and I pray that whether today finds you elbow deep in homeschooling a child or knee deep in work projects that you are uncovering the wellness that God desires for your life. If you're a fan of this podcast and you believe in its content, will you do me a favor? Will you take just a few minutes to write a review, leave a rating, or share the podcast with a friend on social media? Just help me spread the goodness of God by sharing the podcast with someone today, especially if you are near to someone who has experienced the grief of infertility or pregnancy loss. I hope that as you listen in today, you learn something new about the kindness and goodness of God right in the middle of our deep and personal pain. Friends, it's my sincere hope that no matter our circumstances, we will find the space and the peace to say it is well because we find ourselves in the presence of a good, good God. I hope you have listened to part one of Healing Well because much of today's conversation will build upon that content. And if you haven't yet, go check that out. Um, Sharing this content has been such a breath of hope and joy for my own soul. And I'm thankful, y'all, that God has allowed me this space to share. From the very early days of facing infertility and pregnancy loss, I prayed that God would use it for His glory And I've prayed that it would be for the sharing. And so I pray that you are gleaning something from these shared moments of vulnerability. The loss of a child at any stage of pregnancy feels a lot like losing the breath straight out of your lungs. Um, It is through that gut-wrenching grief that I have learned how to say it is well, no matter what comes. And I pray that you are finding that same strength of surrender today. Y'all, last Thursday, I was making breakfast for our little miracle child, and she lovingly looked up at me and said, Mama, are my friends at school my siblings? I responded with, No, baby, those are your friends. Siblings are brothers or sisters from the same family who sometimes live in the same house with the same mommy and daddy. She looked down very disappointedly and said, oh, I wish I had siblings. I really wanna have a sister. And then I opened up the fridge and sat the apple juice back on the shelf and said under my breath, I wish you did too, sis. I wish you did too. Truth is, friends, she's had three siblings. They were just never held in our arms. Truth is, I call her sis every day because that's how I see her. The little sister to one and the big sister to two because I've carried four children in my womb but only one in my arms. My story of infertility and pregnancy loss, while full of pain and heartache, it it isn't about the pain of what I've suffered as much as it is about the triumphant victory of God in the midst of overwhelmingly difficult circumstances. My story, our family's story, is about the miracle of a child that we were predicted to never have and the miraculous work of shaping my sinful heart into a heart that is surrendered to Him. It's a story of miracles. Our first miscarriage occurred in November of 2014 in our ninth year of marriage. It was the first time I'd ever seen a little blue line pop up on a pregnancy test and feel my heart pop with possibility. I had, oh (laughs) y'all, if you know me very well, you know how true this is. Um, I had an intricate plan for how I would tell my husband that we were pregnant because that's just how I do things um but tragically before i could tell him the good news by way of the perfect gift the bleeding and the cramping began it was early and the doctor said you may have never even known you were pregnant if you hadn't been tracking it so closely but that didn't really seem to help because i did know i did know that i was pregnant one day and then not the next i knew but my husband didn't know yet So in true Danny fashion, I went to work the next day, like holding it all together. Um, And then I fell apart at the dinner where I was supposed to tell Dusty that we were pregnant. And instead, I had to tell him all at once that we had been pregnant, but that I was miscarrying and losing the baby even as we were speaking. And that night I laid in bed for hours on end with the miscarriage continuing in my heart just breaking over and over again. And Dusty sat by my side all night. He read the Psalms over me as a declaration of hope and trust in God and a determined cry not to be overtaken by grief. He prayed over me and cried with me. He stood strong by my side when the sobbing, like, carried me to the floor, right, and his hand just so tenderly held mine when I finally came up for air. Y'all, it was early in the pregnancy, but come on, we all know that a woman can imagine a lot in one short week of knowing. I was about eight weeks pregnant when we lost our first baby, and we kept it all to ourselves. We held the grief just between the two of us and tried our best not to break under the weight of it. After all, at that time, I only knew one person who had ever had a miscarriage, so I didn't even begin to know how to talk about it. I eventually confided in one trusted friend in the hallway outside the classroom door where I loved on and taught other people's sweet kindergarten babies every day. And that one trusted friend, she didn't try to convince me that everything was going to be okay. She just let me cry. And that was so important. She wiped away a tear from my cheek that day and she said, Just remember, Danny, nothing comes to us that hasn't passed through his hands. I paused and fell apart a little bit more in her arms while God was already mending me back together. See, that idea of God's hands holding my pain before it ever came to me somehow soothed the raw and painful places of my quiet, private, unknown to anyone else miscarriage. And then Dusty and I picked up the pieces of our broken little dream. We held hands, we prayed hard, and we tried to carry on like everything was okay. But after we suffered that loss, we vowed to ourselves to never suffer in silence again. We recognized our need for community and our need for connection in the midst of such great pain. And so if you have suffered alone, I've been there and I would never choose it again and I wouldn't choose it for you. And we're going to talk more about that a little bit later on. Then after nine months of more trying and more negative pregnancy tests it was the start of another school year for me. Another chance for me to share my love for learning with kindergarten students and for me to mother in a different way. On the night of our open house I once again saw that little blue line pop up and hope popped back into my heart that was tired and weary I finally got to give Dusty that perfect gift and watch as he beamed with excitement that just maybe this was our chance to have a baby. So much of me anticipated the worst, right? But I willed myself to trust God for the very best. And for nine long months, I prayed every day for God to allow this child to be held in our arms. We prayed every day for a healthy baby that would follow him all the days of their life. My pregnancy was high risk, and it seemed as though everyone sort of held their breath until the day that our miracle child drew her first. And we saw the miracle of life born into our world. Her presence wrecked our world in the best way, and it drew us into a greater surrender and affection for God as we saw his love for us played out through the miracle of her life. For 11 years, friends, we hoped and prayed for a child, and finally, we held a precious life in our arms that had been born of our love, a child designed by God to be ours. She grew, and we grew more in love as we told the story of her miraculous life and testified to God's goodness at play in our story friends and family surrounded us to witness God's glory and testify to his goodness. We had a community of people dedicated to supporting us and celebrating with us the gift that we never imagined we would actually receive. Then, 15 short months later, with our daughter still nursing and barely walking, we saw yet another blue line appear. This time felt different Um, fear, worry, and concern were nowhere on my mind because I had already carried a child to full term once and I trusted my body to do it again. Y'all, I never even thought about the possibility of miscarriage. I didn't have a care or a concern or a caution in the world because I thought I had somehow paid my dues and that I wouldn't be dealt those cards again we began to dream about our daughter becoming a big sister. We shared the news with family and a few close friends. And of course, we were planning our big reveal. And I started a Pinterest board, you know, for baby number two. And all of the excitement was just building every day. And I tried to contain my excitement from spewing over onto total strangers. um, But I was just walking around grinning ear to ear. And then on a Sunday... After church, before our second doctor's visit, where we were scheduled to hear the heartbeat of our 11-week-old baby, the bleeding began. My head sank, and my heart felt like it would surely rupture right inside my chest. After a traumatic visit, horrific visit, to the ER, we knew the worst was at hand. We were experiencing yet another miscarriage. My body took four days to finish the miscarriage, and I was in more pain than I ever imagined possible to deliver a life that was gone. The first miscarriage was nothing like the second. This one, the second miscarriage, felt like labor, but without the reward of holding a precious baby on the other side of the pain. It was just pain upon pain upon pain. And during those four days, we were surrounded by the love the love you guys of precious friends and devoted family. We shared our pain with those we trusted and they faithfully gathered around us with the kind of support that reminds you how to breathe when the air escapes the room. They showed up day after day with food and with faith. They showed up with their prayers and the persistence to hold up our arms when it felt impossible for us to praise the one that we love the most. Friends, those were dark days for me. Dark days. I remember lying broken on the floor and feeling completely ruined, completely ashamed, and discouraged and defeated. It was the kind of low where you imagine there is surely no way out. And in those days, I listened to a single song on repeat. And the word said, take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting I knew in my spirit, guys, I knew that I was not forsaken, that I was not forgotten, and that I was being held by the arms that knit me together in my mother's womb. I knew that, but my flesh was weak, and it was failing at every turn. I never imagined I would have to face this heartache again, and I didn't know how I would come out. But people continued to surround us, continued to point us to Jesus, and continued reminding us of His goodness always at work in our lives. And I read Psalm 139 over and over again during those days. And these specific verses gave me life. And it starts in verse 7. And the psalmist says, Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Y'all, in those days, I just chose to trust right in the middle of my pain, that there was nowhere I could journey that God was not with me. I had to trust that there was nowhere I could go that he was not with me. I had to often will myself into believing and trusting and knowing that the thought of being alone was a lie. The enemy was telling me every day how alone I was and I had to be adamant about the truth of the word of God that I was not alone because I was not alone. I was being carried by my good father and I had to allow myself to believe in his goodness even when I couldn't feel it and even when I couldn't see it. I had to trust that he was with me right in the middle of my pain and the community of people around us were the framework that we needed to survive those days because they consistently led us to Jesus. That August, we planted a beautiful hydrangea in the backyard. We buried our baby, and we named it Glory because our only goal at that point was to give glory to God because despite our circumstances, He was worthy And he was good. You know, our daughter loved watering that plant every day. She was 16 months old by that time. And she loved that plant. And she would hug it and water it. And she would call it glory. And it somehow gave me peace that we were really connected forever. We loved our glory. And we love our God. A few years have passed since then, and life looks pretty different for us now. Um, We live in a different state with different jobs, and we're raising our miracle child in a different home. But the same thing remains God is with us in our grief, our pain, and in our waiting. And this year, on May 11th, the day after Mother's Day, I found out once again that I was pregnant. However, when this blue line popped up, it wasn't sheer excitement or joy or even hope that popped up. It was more like a cautious optimism that caused me to first hit my knees right in the bathroom floor, right in the bathroom floor, and I began to pray to my solid rock, my sure foundation, my perfect father. I cried massive tears, and I simply asked him, Is this real? Is this real? After all, our newest doctor told us that our only real option of having another child was IVF. But now I was looking at a blue line of promise and potential. I asked God, Is this the moment, God? Is this the moment when you restore to me what the locusts have eaten away? Is this it, God? And before standing to my feet, I simply said, God, if this is your good, pleasing, and perfect will, then let it be so. And if not, give me the courage and the peace to let it go. And then I called some of my prayer warrior friends and I asked them to pray, to pray for God's will. I asked them to pray that I would have peace no matter the outcome. I asked them to pray that that this moment of my life and the ones that followed would only exist to honor and glorify my Father in heaven. Once again, I told Dusty by way of the perfect gift that I had on hand from a year before when I believed that God might one day give us another child. We celebrated, we cried, and we prayed that God's will would be done and that we would be at peace with Him. After a full week, and I mean a full week, y'all, of blood work being poked and prodded um, and waiting for those results, we got great news. Everything was looking good. My hormone levels were strong, and it looked like a strong, viable pregnancy, and we exhaled like as though we had been holding our breath for years <sighs> and then at our first ultrasound there was no heartbeat our baby was gone and you know when when you're listening so closely to hear a heartbeat but all you can hear is your own you begin to give greater weight to the heart beating within your own chest And you begin to count yourself as a miracle, a miracle that God created, a miracle that God loves, a miracle that God sees, and a miracle that God has a plan for. Turns out for us that we were eight weeks pregnant, but our baby stopped growing at six weeks of life. We returned a week later for another ultrasound just to be certain that there wasn't a heartbeat. And at nine weeks pregnant, our baby still only measured six weeks, with no heartbeat to be heard. I was in the middle of what was called a silent miscarriage, or a missed miscarriage, which I had never even heard of. My body still thought I was pregnant, though our baby's heart was no longer beating. This miscarriage, it felt like like a betrayal unlike any other. My body... The body that I thought was supposed to be capable of creating and carrying life didn't even know that our baby was without life. And I just felt betrayed by my own body. As we sat in the waiting room surrounded by pregnant women and holding the photo of our baby with no heartbeat, we reminded ourselves and each other that though it felt as though our hope had quickly shifted, it had not. We reminded ourselves that our hope rests only in Jesus and that nothing can shift him. Nothing shifts him, friends. We reminded ourselves of who he is, who we are, and what we believe. We focused our hearts, our minds, and our eyes on the truth. The truth is that we were having a miscarriage and that our God is good. It took a whole month from the day we found out we were pregnant until the day that my body finally released the pregnancy. An entire month. My body was 11 weeks pregnant with a six-week-old baby, and nothing seemed to make sense. Those four weeks were some of the longest of my life. And in the middle of all of it, I was trying to soak up every possible minute with our miracle child while also acknowledging the miracle that was still with me without a heartbeat. I wrote about what that heartbeat or lack thereof meant to my life in those days, and I invite you to read that on the blog. But basically, those days caused me to realize that if we are walking around with a heart still beating inside of us, then God still has a plan for our life and we get a second chance to get it right. Our baby never got a second chance, so I wanna use mine better than I ever have before. It took a whole month for my body to release our baby and a whole month for me to learn the love graciousness, kindness, generosity, and steadfastness that God had been pursuing me with all along. It took my body four hours in the early morning of a Thursday to finalize the miscarriage that it had taken me four days to complete in previous years. And I'll spare you the details because nobody wants to know all of that, but um, I'll just say two words, crime scene. Okay, it was traumatic. Traumatic, actually. It doesn't really even begin to cover what it feels like to look in the mirror and feel like you just might die, literally die, because maybe you won't make it to the hospital in time. I may as well have been a ghost because I certainly had no color to my skin, and it was the most afraid I have ever been in my life. But we did make it in time, and though I suffered a great deal of blood loss, I was okay, and I'm here, and I'm super thankful. Um, My doctors were incredible. My husband was a rock, and the family and friends who showered us with their love were the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, Meals poured in and cards filled our mailbox and friends came to sit with me and let me cry and encouraging text messages just flooded my phone and I knew beyond any doubt that the enemy might try to throw at me that I was not alone. God was showing me every day that I was not alone. He was demonstrating his love for me in big and small ways every single day. And y'all, the greatest evidence of his love for me in those broken days was the little blonde haired, blue eyed girl who curled up on the couch with me every day and stroked tears away from my cheeks. She is the miracle of our story and the reminder that our God does great things and that he finishes what he starts. As a young child, all I ever wanted to be was a mama, and he made me a mama by giving me a miracle. And I count her as a miracle now more than ever because I have known the grief and pain of pregnancy loss. It's been just over two months since we lost our third baby to miscarriage and my heart is still healing from the pain of it all. But friends, this time it was different. Every time was a little bit different than the other. But this time I knew the limitations of my body but I trusted the infinite ability of our God. We knew from the very beginning that we might not hold this baby in our arms, and we chose to trust God anyway. We chose to give Him glory anyway. We chose to tell our friends and family anyway. We chose to celebrate the life that was instead of only holding out hope for what might be later on. We chose to honor God in the present by acknowledging the ways He was at work all around us. My heart, guys, my heart is still healing. And so I will not pretend to have all of the answers about healing well. But I will tell you that the healing journey for me always involves trusting that God is good and that He is for me. During the brokenness of grief, it is easy to partner with lies, lies that sound more rational or at least easier to digest. But friends, we must refuse to partner with lies for the sake of an easier journey. And instead, we must buckle down during our pain and dig out the hard truths of the Word of God because those truths give us freedom and peace and joy. We must choose to believe Hebrews 13:5 when God says, "Never will I leave you; never will I forsake you." We must set scriptures on our doorposts and around our hearts to remember the truth of Psalm 27:13 and 14, which says, "I remain confident of this: I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord; be strong and take heart and wait." for the Lord. We must remember to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer as Romans twelve twelve instructs us. We must choose to believe that in Christ we have peace because this world will give us trouble, but Jesus has overcome the world and he teaches us that in John 16 verse 33. Friends, we have to be able to acknowledge in the middle of and in the depth of our grief that Jesus says in John 13, 7, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. We must surrender to the idea that we don't know. And maybe we aren't intended to know what he's up to right now, but that he promises we will later understand. And lastly, to heal well, I believe we have to set ourselves about the everyday action of fixing our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that's from 2 Corinthians 4 verses 17 through 18. I have to daily, daily surrender my agenda, my will, my plan, my dreams, my hopes, and my future before him and trust that he is good and that he is for me. I choose every day to surrender myself to the truth that his will is perfect, which far outweighs anything I could plan on my own. I choose to surrender, and it's hard, y'all. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's hard. But I choose to surrender the dreams and desires that I have for my own life. And instead, I open up my hands to hold only what he places in them. If you're listening to this and you're longing for a child and all you seem to find is loss and grief, I see you. But most importantly, God sees you. His seeing you does not mean that he will give you the thing you are asking for, but it does mean that he is working for your good and will give you what he has planned for you. Remember, friends, that God's goodness does not obligate him to give us what we decide is good. He is the author of good, and therefore he has the sole authority to determine what good actually is for each of his children. He is a good father, and he has good plans for his children. I know you might be hurting and longing with an ache so deep that you can feel it in your bones, and I just want you to know that you are not alone. Don't believe the lies, but instead hear the truth and let it reside in you. You are not alone. God is with you, and he is for you, and he is good. Y'all, I have stood on tear-soaked ground and I have lived to give him glory on the other side of it. And I believe you will too. I believe that whether you receive the goodness that you currently desire, or whether you receive a goodness from God that you never even imagined, that you will take the opportunity to give him glory from the goodness that he grants. I can promise you that although we may not always get exactly what we think we want, God gives us what He knows is best. And friends, it is impossible to outgive God. When His good, pleasing, and perfect will comes to fruition in your life, I pray that you shout from every corner of the world about the goodness of our God. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6 says that those who sow with tears will reap with shouts of joy. So when that joy comes, let's shout it out, friends. (laughs) Let's shout it out. Because during the darkest of nights, his joy was already headed for you. Because his joy comes in the morning. So friends, if you are in the dark, take heart. The dawning of the sun is coming because the light of the world has come into the world and his joy is coming for you. My joy and my hope no longer rests in the outcome, but in the one who holds the outcome. And that is the essential component to my process of healing well. My joy isn't based in a child, but instead in the Father. I pray so fervently that your heart is encouraged by the goodness of God at work in my story, and I pray that you will take time today to acknowledge His goodness at work in yours. Friends, it has been an honor and a privilege to speak into your story, and I thank you for the grace with which you carry the vulnerability of mine. I hope you will make plans to join me again in a couple of weeks as I interview a sister in ministry as we continue to dive into the well that God is for us and the wellness that God has for us. I can't wait to chat with you again. I'll talk to you soon.